So there you are. It's just you and you're working all the hours that there are. You're up till the early hours of the morning, creating fabulous content. You've got so much value to give. You don't quite seem to be reaching very far in terms of the people you're engaging. Um, why no? Uh, how about chucking some money at some ads? Stop! And listen to this podcast episode. Welcome to the Make It Real podcast. I'm Trisha Lewis, your host. You're going to hear from fascinating individuals, mainly small business owners, who not only have story and skills to share, they also keep it real. This is a place of non-shouty, non-salesy, unsquashing conversations where your curiosity will be fed. speaking to me from Helsinki, but he is pretty global. He knows an awful lot about podcasts. He's a podcast consultant, but he just sees podcasting as one of many tools to do with lead generation, and that's his thing, but not the whole Facebook ad type thing. This is going to be a wonderfully organic conversation. I'd like you to sit back and realise you are going to get a heck of a lot of resources practical tips and re-motivation for your content creation. Oh, and I started off getting Jan to say hello in a number of different languages because he is what is known as a polyglot. He speaks quite a few languages. Here we go. I mean, very easy in Italian, which is my mother tongue, as people may tell from this Macaroni accent, depending on the time zone you're listening to us or watching us now, Buongiorno, so it's good morning. Buonasera, it's good evening. In French, well, that's almost as cheating because it's bonjour or bonsoir. And then in German, guten tag, guten abend. And then in Finnish, because I'm, as you said, I'm based in Helsinki, Finland, can be huva paiva, which is again, well, it's kind of buongiorno, good day, good morning, or huva ilta, which is good evening. And mm. then... Well, buenos dias. <laughs> and then one that I wish I spoke, but I don't speak, but I know a couple of words, Japanese, konnichiwa. <laughs> konnichiwa. <laughs> yeah, I speak it fluently, by the way, yeah, and I forgot to mention that. Uh, no, that is so good. That is so good. Thank you. I now feel as if I'm literally hosting the Eurovision Song Contest. So um, <laughs> this is just brilliant. Um, no, thank you. Uh, it's it's lovely. It's, it's just makes us all remember that we're in this big world together so yeah I know that we are going to enlighten our and mo and kind of motivate I think also mm -hmm. our listeners today because this business of we're all busily running around because I am fairly convinced that the majority of my listeners are you know, they are serious about what they're doing they're, they're doing a lot of work they're creating a lot of content you know, like me, they, they might even be doing a podcast, blogs, whatever, whatever. But are they all doing the next bit? Or are they thinking, oh, well, if I want to actually um, sort of market myself properly, I'm obviously going to have to pay for some ads on Facebook or LinkedIn or some clever fancy thing that's going to require money. I suspect the answer to that is 
we're not so good at that next bit. And this is your thing, this organic lead generation. So where, where, let's start with where we're at, which is lovely and meta, because we'll start with podcasts. So from the point of view of a host or a guest or somebody who's considering starting one, are there some sort of basic start off little mantras that you can give us in terms of not falling into a trap of just doing them, doing them, doing them, doing them, giving up doing them because you become totally demotivated and you're not making the most of them. Long yeah, question. absolutely, Tricia. Yeah, that, those are very good points. I think the first thing, and this is really basic, but sometimes we lose sight of this, is what's the goal here? So on a micro level, what's the goal with this individual podcast episode I'm creating or video I'm recording or article I'm writing? And then on a macro level, how does that... Mm, piece of content, podcast episode, video, article, fit within the big picture. What am I trying to do here? Those are questions that, sure, we may ask ourselves when we are planning the content and those kind of things. But then sometimes once we are in, in the flow, we, we lose track of those, we lose sight of those. And I think it's important to start with that. Next is to think about, all right, how does that individual piece of content fit within my business strategy, my marketing strategy, my sales strategy. What do you want to achieve with that episode? Do you want to showcase your expertise? Do you want to network? Do you want to grow your community? Do you want to shed light on a particular pain point your target market has? Something else? I'm not saying that you need to do one of these things. Sometimes you may want to focus on one of these things. Sometimes is a few of these things. And then ask yourself, once somebody has finished consuming this piece of content, what would I like them to do? What is the next step they can uh, take so that they can build on what they've learned through this podcast episode or a next step that can help them take that theory and apply to their own business? So what does that look like? Well, it can be many different things. It could be an invitation to send you an email to join your community, to sign up for your free course. It could be connect with me on LinkedIn. It could be get a downloadable resource. That's personally my favorite next step to offer people because there is only so much we can teach, for example, with podcasting. And one good example of that is the lack of the visual dimension in podcasting as a medium. Doesn't matter whether you're a host or a guest, there are certain topics that may be harder to teach, to help people with, because they require the visual dimension. So offering a next step that includes some visuals, it's a great way to make up for that lack of the visual dimension in podcasting. And it's also, I mean, if somebody is listening to an episode, it's because they're interested in that topic. So if you offer a next step that is connected to that, people are likely to actually take that next step. But if you discuss a certain topic in the episode and then your next step directs people in a completely different direction people may ask themselves why has this person talked about podcasting and all of a sudden he has a call to action that has to do with facebook advertising when he didn't mention facebook advertising even once during the recording so i would say those are a few things that are important it's important to start thinking about 
when you're planning, whether it's hosting or guesting, doesn't make that much difference. And then once you have started, you have launched, you have been recording, it's important to maybe have those somewhere in a project management tool, for example, or pen and paper, if that's the way you go about things, so that you always make sure, do you have them as a reminder, a, a checklist, doctors use checklists, pilot use checklists. So having a checklist like that will is a great way to make sure that you don't forget about important things and everything, every piece of the puzzle fits in perfectly with all the other pieces. I love this. And it it obviously speaks, anybody who knows me will probably guess that this isn't my top skill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I think you might be referring, have you read a book by, is it Atul Gwande, um, the doctor, it's sort of coming from the medical profession, but he talks about the checklist. It's, it, uh, I haven't read the book, but I think it's, it's the book because I've heard somebody yeah. mentioned that in the past yeah, he's, and he's, yeah that's probably been the book. on podcasts and all sorts as well um but it just shows that things can kind of cross so you know cross kind of seed um from one world to another yeah and, and disciplines and it, industries yeah yeah absolutely so this is great base camp because as you say, whether we're hosting or with guesting or we're considering doing it in the, and obviously if you're Host, if you're hosting you should have considered this in the first place but it's so easy to get to get carried away with just the 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 enthusiasm of the moment in that blog or that podcast or that chat or that whatever it is that webinar that now I I am I am actually a really good example of this because I have a sort of and I'm not going to beat myself up for it because it's part of me you know but I have a sort of very vibrant curiosity um and i'm constantly wanting to learn and discover and explore and in many ways the stuff that i get really interested about is to do with human behavior and of course that's such a huge topic and yes i have tried to bring this in a little bit because i think that if we're going to seriously as business people as i'm going to have to use this word and i don't really like it monetize used it um and and make and productize did it again um if we're going to do that then we do have to have a little bit of discipline don't we with with where we're going and i think the message is always look being disciplined um and a bit strategic does not equal being dull boring closed-minded what do you think about that do you know what i mean yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. And actually, I just had a conversation earlier with somebody about this that I said, for example, I'm not somebody who hates sales per se or selling, but I hate a certain type of selling. So for me, I personally, first of all, I always say everybody has bills to pay. So let's start from there. Second of all, if you have a business, then what you do, for example, with podcasting is you invest your time. So getting paid in whatever form you get paid, whether it's donation, advertising, you offer products or services, it's a way for you to actually get rewarded for the work you have put in with your podcast. But I, I think that many people really dislike sales or selling because they have preconceived notions and i also to myself if i think about selling 
I have a pretty good picture of a certain type of person, the way he looks, because typically it's a, it's a he, and I don't like that person and I don't like that style. But I think that when we think of, first of all, everybody has bills to pay, but more importantly, when we think of providing people with value, it almost comes natural. There may be, I've had, to me, sometimes I've had calls with prospects where they basically told me, hey, how can I sign up for this product or how can I hire you? And I just mentioned that in conversation and I said, oh yeah, because I have this course, blah, blah, blah. But I wasn't really selling. I was more bringing up a resource that was relevant for the conversation we were having. But I didn't even say, for example, it costs this much. You can go here, you can sign up there. And I think that when content is used strategically, can be a fantastic tool to generate leads and even to generate sales without having to sound, as you said, dull, boring, salesy, pushy, and all other adjectives that come to mind that often we associate with sales. I think that if one focuses on value, on helping people, and then sure, you may offer something that you sell as a next step that may require more time for people to consume it required more time for you to create. For example, if we take writing a book or creating a video course requires more time, work and effort than creating a podcast episode. So I think that when we shift the focus on helping people, providing value, providing them with a useful next step and keeping in mind that, hey, if we have a business, we don't do this just for fun, then I think it's fair that we get rewarded for the time, energy, and effort that we've put in creating a podcast episode in this case. You are absolutely right. And um, I, I, th I think coming, bringing that back again to this um, sort of bringing things together constantly so that, mm -hmm. so that there is a clear message. It's all very well saying, I can talk about this, I can talk about that, I'm really interested in this, I'm really interested in that. But it's so easy to forget how difficult you might be making it for oh, that yeah. prospective client to buy into you because although they might think you're fascinating, lovely, all, all sorts of nice things, um, are they actually able to see very clearly, quickly, uh, you know, within seconds of looking at your profile, going on your website, listening to your podcast, whatever it is, looking at your blog, Ah, yes, this is what she, he does. The, I mean, and even what of, you sell, yeah. even what you sell, Tricia, because oh. if you don't believe or trust, if you, have, if you don't have confidence in what you sell and it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter the price tag it has, it doesn't matter, you know, how the degree of experience you have, whether it's the first thing you're selling and you've started today, or if it's something you have been selling for 25 years, that doesn't matter. If you don't have confidence in that, in, and what the product or service can do to help people, you can't expect other people to have confidence in that. So this is actually even an invitation, so to say, to everybody who may be struggling, who may be thinking, well, I don't know if this is good or not. I would say, just put it out there. Everybody starts from somewhere and you know your page or your version 1.0 isn't gonna be as great as your version 3.5. But in order to get there, you need to put it out there here, have people go through it, use it, consume it, whatever it is, 
get feedback, get insights, and then work on always making that product or service the best version of what it can be. But I would say, don't try to say, well, I'll just wait until it's perfect because otherwise you'll be working on that specific project for years before it actually hits the market. Yes, very, very good. And the longer, you know, the longer you keep it away from people, the longer you're doing them a disservice because if you think that what you are creating or have created could help people but you hide it from them then you're preventing them to getting help to getting resources that would enable them to achieve the goals they want to achieve or to address and solve the pain points they are having oh you're absolutely right we always have to remind ourselves we are actually being of value to people and it just occurred to me then when we're talking about you know, your reasoning behind doing something like, so it's particularly a podcast, but it would also mm-hmm. apply to things like regular, I suppose, webinars, masterclasses, yeah. things where you're, um, you're there in kind of person, either voice or visual as well. And there, there is another side to this, which isn't actually so much about the service that you offer in terms of your product Mm -hmm. or your coaching whatever it's also you as a well I'll use the word speaker but I mean that's Mm -hmm. that's a bit generic but what what you are putting out there is also going to be a sort of calling card if you like for people who want to book you as well, A, as a guest um, right. on a podcast or as a speaker at an event or even, you know, just getting up for 10 minutes at a networking event or uh, potentially, a, you know, something they're, go- they're going to see in you that isn't just, oh, yes, I want to hire her as my coach, but it's, oh, she'd make a great um, speaker at the event we've got next year, et cetera. Right. So, so that is another, another thing that you're doing, isn't it, in terms of, monetizing (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely showcasing showcasing your expertise and helping communities helping people whether it's your own community or other people's community like i mean like you and i are doing right now trisha i've had the pleasure and honor to be here to be invited and and share the the two cents i have with with your community and you made some great examples networking events webinars there there is quite the array of opportunities that one can follow and can leverage to provide value and help people different ways to do that so even if one says "Ah, i'm camera shy well you can do it without being on camera if you say ah i haven't been a speaker for a long time it's okay you can use slides and let those resources make most of the talk if you say well, I really feel uncomfortable talking with people in real life. Well, you can pre-record the content and then just edit. So there are really no excuses in my opinion. And as I said earlier, well, I said it when we were talking about products and services, but the same applies to content. If you have something you've been working on for a while and you haven't published it for whatever reason, just remember that as time the more time passes, the longer you're basically withholding help to people who could benefit from what that article, video, podcast, or whatever discusses and could help them with. Yeah, withholding help. I love that. It's a great way of looking at it. So this terms of organic reach, which is another expression, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. so now we've, we've got this little thing called SEO. 
never never heard of it <laughs> no never heard of it never heard of it um i think it stands for something now what does it sound yeah search engine optimization right okay oh algorithms oh, 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 oh keynotes a uh, key keywords i mean and, and and everything right now the reason why one would be thinking about these things is because one is thinking, well, I have a fabulous, supportive, wonderful community that I've built on, let's say, LinkedIn. It could be Facebook um, or another, but let's say LinkedIn. So yeah, I know I can go on there and I can get some lovely comments on my posts and videos. And I, you know, I like engaging with the people that are on there because they're really interesting and we're all kind of of a similar mindset, or, you know, but globally, it's great, it's great, great. Okay, hang on a minute, you then think. Okay, and I also have just published something, say, on Medium, a piece of writing, or, you know, a blog on my website. And you think, oh, but what if all my podcast goes out? You think, but what if the only people that are regularly engaging with this are that lovely group of virtually my friends. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where we start thinking, oh, crikey, have I got to think about things like SEO, et cetera, et cetera. That's when we might think, oh, I'm going to have to pay for advertising. How do we, how do we capitalize on the content we're producing and actually get it to a, a, a wider audience? Now, I don't mean wider as in I want to attract everybody. I still obviously want to attract the people that are going to be interested. Mm -hmm. But how do we get beyond that lovely little comfortable sitting room full of friends? Yeah. Yeah. For me, Trisha, when I think of SEO, I mean, I'm not an SEO expert. I mean, I know few things about SEO, but I wouldn't label myself as an SEO mm -hmm. expert, but I understand the importance of SEO because for me, SEO is basically having your book be placed in the right section of the bookstore or the library. So if your book is a non-fiction book, then it should be in that section. It shouldn't be in the fiction books. So for me, that's when I look at SEO, that's what I look at. Now, in terms of what you can do, first of all, it's important that when you create content, you just take, or before you create content, you take a moment to do what is called keyword research. That's really straightforward, but it's basically making sure that you use terminology that people use when they search for something online. So when they search for how to do blank, you want to make sure that your content includes th those keywords and there are guidelines on where to put, you want to put, for example, in the title, if it's a written piece of content, you want to try to have the keyword toward the beginning. There are tools that I use uh, a few different tools. One that I really like is called text metrics, because one of the things it does is it gives me real time SEO suggestions. So you may say, oh, based on the length of the article, you try to add the keyword two more times add three images, do this, do that. So that's a great tool. Another tool that is very useful for SEO for all of the WordPress website owners is Yoast SEO. It's a plugin, the spelling it's Y-O-A-S-T, Yoast. It's great and it, it uses a sort of a traffic light color code. So it shows you, ah, oh, this is red, it's not good. This is yellow, it's pretty good. This is green, it's good. So you want to work on that. And I personally think that you shouldn't, obsess 
over SEO, but you should try to create something that it's really of value that it's really thorough. I've had actually some articles that ranked in the first page of Google. One, for example, was a, a guide on podcast players. And it's not difficult for me to know why that was there. It's the piece of content that probably took me the longest to create because it was, I think he had nine or 10 different sections. I really had a table of content. I had images, I had screenshots. It was really, really thorough, really in-depth. And I wasn't surprised then to see it in the uh, in the first page of Google. So I think that if you just do some key basic keyword research, so you see, oh, when it comes to podcasting, for example, this is the terms people use in their searches, in their queries. And then you create your content, try to make it as great, as good as valuable as it can be. And you use a tool like Yoast, text metrics, or there's plenty of others that just give you those tips that say, hey, remember to do this, remember to do that. Those tips aren't gonna really disrupt your workflow. So you won't have to spend 30 minutes extra just to apply those tips. There are very small things, but when summed together, they can really make a difference when it comes to SEO. So for me, I think that it's important that you always try to make the keyword research, the content optimization part of your content creation and content marketing efforts. Because as I used the example of a bookstore or a library, not doing anything, it's basically the equivalent of taking a book you've written, walking into a bookstore, just hand it to the, the clerk there, not giving any details, say, yeah, place it wherever you want to place it on whatever shelf and expect people to walk exactly there and find the book. Sure, that can happen. But the majority of people, when they walk into a bookstore or a library, they know what they are looking for and they look for sections that have those books. So you should too kind of have a similar thought process. I love this this um, uh, this metaphor analogy, whatever of, of the bookshop, <laughs> because I was also thinking of you know a shop with a fabulous window display, yeah. and you can be attracted to go in there. But if what you find in there is really shabby and of no interest oh, yeah. to you, you're not gonna you're gonna go out quick and you'll never come back. So, mm -hmm. so there is very little mileage in putting all the flashy you know keywords and all the rest of the, your stuff and the fancy things that you know are going to hit algorithms if ultimately what you're what you produced inside there won't won't hook people to come back they were in fact it has the opposite effect because oh, yeah. now yeah they, that's it you've you've blown it yeah marketing um, a bad piece of content or marketing a bad product isn't a good idea you can be the best marketer ever you can have the biggest advertising budget if you say oh, i want to spend money but the piece of content isn't going to get the result you would want it to get for your business if the quality isn't good if it's just salesy if it's just you know whatever if it's a shallow piece of content then you can't really expect number one for that to rank in the first page of google and even if by any miracle it does rank in the first page of google it's not really going to do much for your business. So it's not going to have people take that next step because as you said, Tricia, they may be walking into the shop attracted by, oh, the keyword, Google showed it as one of the first results. And then they spend five seconds and say, oh, this is really bad. See ya. And they never come back.
It happened to be on LinkedIn today. I, you know, it comes up sometimes with, and it, it might do it on other social media channels as well, things like, oh, you know, there's this post trending in communication yeah. skills, you know, mm -hmm. go and comment on it. Okay. So I went and had a look at it. It was dire. I mean, it, it, the re <laughs> I, I have no idea why it was picked Friendly. by the algorithms other than the person who posted it had continuously put questions or something in the comment stream underneath to sort of artificially create a lot of comments, which I can only assume had somehow triggered some LinkedIn algorithm robot into thinking, oh, this post must be really good. But the point is I'm now, I didn't even want to connect with this person, let alone be bothered reading anything else they had to say or whatever, because mm -hmm. it was, it was worse than not engaging. It was actually an actual barrier to even wanting to have anything more to do with that person. I mean, they, they'll never know that. It just hasn't ruined their day, but. You know, you know who you are. You know who you are. You know who you are. Yeah. Um, so it's just something to be really wary of in a world where we're, we are bombarded by so much advice, 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 and top 10 tips and do it like this and do it like that. It, you've got to keep coming back to the real core, which as you've said, what's the goal? You know, what, what does this add to that goal? But there's something more going on because in order to get the consistency, I mean, I'm on, you know, 98, 98, I'm approaching a hundred episodes of my podcast and to keep going, doing that, you have to be keen on what you're doing. You have to enjoy it. You have to be motivated. So that has to come into the mix. There's no point in thinking, oh, well, if I do a podcast about um, leadership in um, the, the virtual world or something, because it might get all sorts of um, keywords and, plus, mm -hmm. you know, and it is something I do. And so I could do it. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a recipe for long term motivation. Oh, yeah. May, may I add another metaphor, Tricia, or another example? I'm a huge music fan. So, the example you, you shared of that LinkedIn post or article, I think when you say, well, I just want to rank number one on Google. Yeah, it doesn't matter that the quality of my content is not really, really good. Ah, I don't care. I just want to get, you know, the exposure, the traffic, the views, the listens. For me, that's the equivalent of really not being able to play guitar. But for some reason, being able to get booked at the biggest festival or to perform at the best venue ever with thousands of people and you're there and everybody say, well, we're so excited. And then you can put three notes together. <laughs> you see what I mean? So you can, you know, you can try to game the system. Sure. But eventually that will come back to, to bite you. And by the way, Trisha, congratulations on, on the, the podcast run and they're almost getting to the hundred episodes. Yeah, thanks, Jan. It's I. I mean, I absolutely love it. However, I am. I absolutely know that I am not doing the um, lead generation organic stuff very well. So, <laughs> and I think this is this is a little bit detaily, but there's a few things. Mm -hmm. One is one once you are either on a podcast or you've got a podcast episode to share is I think number one is some of us think, oh, I don't want to just go on and on about it. And so you share it once or twice. 
Yeah. And that's the end of that. Either if you if you share it at all, maybe you don't even share oh, it. No, no, nobody wants to listen to this. So I think your advice on that would be, I don't know, do you keep coming back? And is is the way to do it to keep to, to do what you were saying in the first place to make sure that you found that the nub, that the sort of thread that connects directly to what you do, what you offer, the value you give, and so. So what? So you can keep bringing that episode link back in every now and then because it so obviously adds to what you're giving in other forms of content. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So first of all, you need to remember that if you create evergreen content, that means that the content is relevant, useful, and timely today. It's going to be the same next week, next month, and in years to come. So if you keep that in mind, you need to remember that there may be people who gravitate toward that specific podcast episode six months after it was published, one year after it was published. And you can do two things. One is do nothing and hope that, you know, Spotify helps you, that YouTube for some reason shows your video. Or you could say, okay, let me try to make sure that every now and then I share this. I try to remind members of my community remind people who have recently started following me that, hey, two months ago, I uh, created a podcast episode where I covered this. Last year, I recorded a video and I discussed this. Now, if that content is evergreen, it's still relevant, it's up to date, I don't see why not sharing it. When it comes to lead generation, it's important to differentiate two things. Oftentimes, when people think lead generation, think of growing their email list. And that's perfectly fine. Email marketing is very valuable. But for me, when I talk about lead generation and what I do in my work, it's, it's different. It's about attracting potential clients. So when it comes to the latter, if you want to use your content for lead generation purposes and organic lead generation purposes, the first thing you need to think of is what does your process look like? So how do you typically get clients? What does that look like? What are things you do? Do you typically have face-to-face -face meetings? Do you have phone calls? Do you have webinars and then people hire you that way? It's important to, that you start from that and then try to connect the pieces of content you create, podcast episodes, for example, as much as possible to that so that that's a natural next step and it makes perfect sense. So if the way, for example, for me, the best way to actually turn prospects into clients is through uh, having a, a Zoom call. So for me, the best way to generate leads and then to convert, or first of all, to qualify those leads. So to make sure that, yeah, those people seem to fit the bill in a way and then convert them is to have a Zoom call. So I want to make sure if I say, hey, let's hop on Zoom, I want to call. That's not really compelling to nobody. But if I change things around, for example, if I have a podcast episode and I discuss something and I say, hey, here in the episode, I shared a couple of examples, but, and I have some resources. However, I don't just want to share, send resources your way. I want to make sure that I send you resources that are useful, that are pertinent to the pain points you are facing. Just go here, let's speak, let's have a quick call, use my scheduling tool, let's hop on Zoom. I want to hear more about what you're doing, what you're struggling with, so that I can pick the specific 
resource from my resource library and give it to you versus sending you 20 different resources and hoping that one of them is actually the one that addresses and solves the pain point you're having. So that's the first things to think about. So content is evergreen. If so, it's your job to make sure that every, first of all, if you if you think about it, if you want to grow your community, it means that somebody who joined you today may know nothing about what you published yesterday and the weeks, months, and years that came before that. So you, you want to make sure that every now and then you remind new members, hey, I did this, there is that. You can watch this, you can listen, subscribe, download that. And then when it comes to lead generation, think of, okay, how do I usually, when I get clients, what does that process typically look like or what, or of the different processes that I'm using, which is the one that converts the best or that works better? And then reverse engineer the steps. Mm. Oh, yes. The, I'm a great fan of re reverse engineering, actually. <laughs> I, yeah, I do it in terms of what, what kind of drives the way I coach mm -hmm. from yeah, experience, etc. But 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 in terms of this part of it, the getting clients part of it is I'm probably again, I spend less time thinking like that, um, which is such a sensible piece of advice. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. So I it's it's kind of so what we're really saying is don't go running down the oh, I've got to do paid ads um, road, uh, because for various reasons, a if you haven't really thought through what you're trying to achieve you're going to be throwing money down the mm -hmm. drain um and b there are so many um more interesting and creative and fulfilling ways of uh, of attracting new clients that you should certainly should be giving a jolly good go um i guess you wouldn't say never advertise Oh, yeah. No, I, I have nothing against paid advertising. Absolutely. But I think the problem is that some people see paid advertising as the magic wand. So they say, well, yeah, I'll just run Facebook ads. Oh, yeah, I'll just do this. Oh, yeah, I'll just set up a Google ads campaign. And sure, if that's what you want to do, great. But remember that there are some algorithm changes. There is this, there is that, that can have an impact on the performance of those campaigns, retargeting campaigns, and so forth. But when you focus on organic, you focus on something, because people often, I hear the argument of, well, you shouldn't use organic because you can't really create a predictable system like you can in paid advertising because you know, oh, you put in one buck and you make 10 in paid advertising. Actually, you could get pretty accurate with organic as well, because what you need to do is, you need to look at your numbers. So you need to look at, for example, what is my monthly goal, my quarterly revenue goal? Okay, you, you set that up. Then you say, in average, what is the average price tag of my consulting? Okay, so you have that. Then you need to say, how many clients do I need to have with that average price tag to achieve my goal? Okay, and then you need to say, how many appointments I need to have with people who may become clients so that I get to that number of clients that enables me to generate 
that amount of money that enables me to hit the target goal. So if you literally just do, and you can do this, if you start keeping track of things, you can use a CRM tool, customer relationship management tool. There is plenty. You can use one of those. There is HubSpot. There is one I recently started using. I pretty like, and I think it's actually a UK based company. It's called Capsule. Capsule, I think it's capsulecrm.com. You can use a spreadsheet. It doesn't really matter so much about how you go, but if you start to track, there is uh, one person I'm a fan of, it's called Kai Davis, and he talks about activity-based selling. And the idea there is you focus on things you have control over. So when you start to track things and say, okay, my goal is to make 10, have 10 appointments this week or this month or whatever, then you track everything, you're going to get to a point where you'll be able to be pretty accurate and say with almost, you know, surgical precision, say, okay, I need to have, I need to email or send LinkedIn messages to X number of people so that then I get to Y appointments and then I get to this number of clients because my conversions are typically around this percentage. And then you, you know, you continue down the line of what I've discussed. So then that's there. That's a way to create a system that leverages organic, but that enables you anyways to have some pretty good predictions in terms of what is it that you need to do if you want to achieve those goals. And then it's really one after the other because they are interconnected. Oh my crikey. I mean, and also I would say <laughs> sl slow and steady wins the race. I mean, it sounds unglamorous, but honestly, you, you cannot do these things overnight and you, you yeah. have to be allowing for the world to evolve. You're evolving, your potential clients are evolving. So you've mm -hmm. got to keep there with it. And that requires some patience and yeah, just some taking a deep breath every now and then and not not getting oh, disheartened yeah. um, when you don't get instant, instant, yay, stuff going on. And that that definitely applies to things like podcasts and all the rest of it. So mm -hmm. I, I we, this is generosity abounding, Jan, in terms of the tips you've given the listeners. I, I They'll be thinking, oh, I must go and do that. I must go and do that. I must go and do that. So um, I'll put some good show notes with resource links and all the rest of it. Listeners don't panic. But importantly, these people will now want to because organically this is working. <laughs> They'll now think, oh, 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 who is this? Yeah, and I want to know more. I want to know more. So where best place for them to make that initial connection? Yeah, sure. So I'm all over social media. Um, you know, you can find me with a quick Google search, but the, I would say the best way to, if you want to hit two birds with one stone, do this. Go to yanilunga.com for a slash leads. I know, Trisha, Trish, you probably will add this in the show notes, but if you go to that link, so that's Y-A-N-N-I-L-U-N-G-A, -N so yanilunga.com for a slash leads. There, you can download, I put together a list of tools I use to generate leads organically. There is a few selections. Some of them are free. Some of them are tools you may be using already, or you may have heard of, go there, get the PDF, because then what happens is you'll join my email list and I'm the actual person writing and sending the emails. So if you have any questions, you can just reply to, to any of the emails you get. So 
if you want to connect on social media, great. But if you want to connect while also getting some resources that can help you put in place some of the things we've discussed today and really start to make organically generation work for you and your business, then yanilunga.com for a slash leads, I would say is the best place or the best next step to take. Oh, fabulous. That is so good and very <laughs> inspiring, actually, uh, in terms of really thinking things through strategically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I need to do a little bit of work on my uh, email. Anyway, um, for now, you can um, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've no idea what time it is in Helsinki. Are we way off adrift in terms of time? Yeah, we went so, no, no, I'm kidding. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, we have, uh, we have a two hour difference. You okay. know, so I'm two, I'm in the future, basically. I'm future? two hours ahead of you. Ooh, that's exciting. <laughs> so it's time for tea, in other words, time for tea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, or, or, well, tea, or for me in Italian, I would say apero, which is the short for aperitivo, happy hour. That's <laughs> <laughs> that good. It's apero time, it's 6 p.m., so it's apero time. Excellent. I was going to say, can you give us another bit of uh, a bit of, you know, polyglotting um, at the end here? So um, you can say goodbye now in a couple of different languages. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, well, I would say in Italian, grazie per averci ascoltato. Se avete domande sono qui. So I just said, thanks for having listened to us. If you have questions, I'm here. And yeah, I'm going to say bonsoir, guten, guten Abend. Buona serata. Well, for me at least, because it's 6 p.m., depending on the time it is when you're listening to this. But all jokes aside, Trisha, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. I think the questions and the points you made were very valuable ones because I think those are things that we often overlook. And then we are in a way surprised that we aren't really getting results. But when we start to think about those different things. We start to connect the dots. We put in the work, we map things out and we are consistent in what we do. Then we are going to start to generate results and do so on a regular basis. Brilliant. Motivating. Very motivating. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes! Inspired by that episode, how about some action beyond the words? Take this one small step. I'm going to call this cross-fertilization. Stay with me. Have a look at, say, the last 10 pieces of content you've produced, wherever you've put them out on. Just see what the links are between them. Would you be able to, say, write that article and refer to a podcast episode you were a guest in or write that post on LinkedIn and refer to an article you've written somewhere else? Is it clear that you can really find the thread that links people to what you do and the value you give? Because that's going to make your content strategy a lot more, um, I think, fun. Let's stay connected. Listen, I'm all about helping solo entrepreneurs, small business owners, make sure they have real communication impact as themselves. Anything that weakens their impact or creates the wrong impact, we sort. And my take on imposter syndrome is the squashed self. Have you heard of my book, The Mystery of the Squashed Self? 
It's got a lot of good reviews, so head over to Amazon to get your hands on the ebook or the paperback. And all the links, of course, to all of my resources are on trishalewis.com. Mm -hmm.